Hey, Jason Wood here, the VA Loan Guy and host of the Armed and Ready podcast. Today, we have a really exciting episode for you. Come on and take a look. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy. Today, we have a Marine Corps veteran with us, Matt Meyer, who's going to tell us all about his story. So, Matt, thanks for coming on to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit, right? You're, you're in the Marine Corps and um, eventually made your way to San Diego where you're at now. Um, but take us through that journey. So, you know, what, what was the decision make, maker that had you join the military in the first place? So I was never one for academics and I grew up playing ice hockey and, you know, obviously a dream is to play college hockey but I knew I was not going to make it academically. And the other alternative was, well, my entire family served in the military from you know, World War II up until that OIF and OEF. And I said, well, maybe I'll just join the Marine Corps. And uh, of course my mom was like, no, you just go to community college. And I went and saw a recruiter and he talked me into it. And I, I wanted to do construction because where I'm from, you know, we're not really tech savvy. And a day before leaving for boot camp, he said, you're going to be working on computers. And I said, I never had a computer. What am I, what am I going to do? And he says, I don't know. I'm a truck driver. And so I, I joined the, the, the Marine Corps and ended up working on computers um, that escalated to working on satellites. And I was super fortunate to be able to learn, go to school. I uh, learned everything from telephones to radios to satellite communications. Uh, it was truly a, a great experience, um, and it came time for me to get out of the Marine Corps, and I didn't really know what I was going to do, so having the GI Bill, I figured I would go to school while I was home in Maryland, and I met up with a friend from high school, and of course, uh, he says, dude, you got to meet my dad. He was a Marine back in Nam, and you know, of course, you can't say no, so uh, him and I met up. Um, and we had a couple of drinks and he said, you know, what'd you do in the Marine Corps? And we started talking and he asked me if I knew this piece of equipment. And I was like, yeah, intimately, I actually just rebuilt like 30 of them in Iraq right now. And he said, what are you going to do after the Marine Corps? And I was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe go to college. And he just looks at me. He's like, do you want a job? And I was like, sure. Why? He goes, my son developed that equipment. And I was like, no way. So Turns out his son actually developed equipment and designed it that we were rebuilding overseas for deployment in Afghanistan and to return back home. So when I got out of the Marine Corps, um, there was already a job waiting, lined up. They checked my clearances, they checked my background again, and it was a smooth transition right back into technology. But in, in the Marine Corps, you're kind of more of like an administrator. You're kind of like you go from equipment to equipment, you program the same thing over and over again. And when I got out, you learn kind of more of the automation piece to it and actually digging in and templatizing things to be able to reproduce multiple mass you know, equipment with basically a touch of a button. And that's where the, my career kind of just took off. And that was, you know, my first job leaving was at a company in Annapolis Junction as a satellite operator. Cool. So this is kind of a dumb question, but um, so working on satellites, does that mean you're actually like controlling them up in space or 
<laughs> what do you do when you work on satellites? No, so we're not controlling them in space, unfortunately. That would be pretty cool. But no, we're actually controlling the ground stations that communicate with the orbiting satellites. So the ones that are in geosynchronous that are going around with the Earth on the equator, they're actually communicating with ground stations. And we're the ones that were controlling the ground stations. Gotcha, okay. All right, that's pretty cool. Who actually does, does anyone control them like up in space, is that an Air Force thing? Yeah, there's a lot of Air Force people that do that. Um, it's part of uh, a couple different intelligence agencies uh, or one main intelligence agency that controls that. Um, and they do a lot of manipulation from uh, the military satellites, but also uh, ones that can be manually maneuvered. Cool. All right. So, um, any cool stories you have? I mean, obviously you were in the Middle East, you know, any, any fun stories you could share with us from that experience? Um, I mean, there's, yeah. So when I got over the overseas, um, we we're at a, a very large base. And so, uh, <laughs> another unit needed an, needed an operator to help them with this rebuilding of all these satellite kits. And so, my unit said we're going to send you over there i said okay and i had uh, i was not very high in rank at the time uh and in, in order to make a move into that position that those, those that unit wanted you need to be a sergeant or an e5 and at the time i was a private first class or an e2 okay so i take a flight from the base i was at to the one i was going i'm waiting on the tarmac and i see the staff sergeant walking up he looks at me and he goes, are you Myers? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, you got to be kidding me. And so he was like, <laughs> he goes, get back on the plane. You're going back. <laughs> I was like, really? Like, you know, he goes, you know what, never mind. Just come on. And so I was so fortunate that he actually gave me that opportunity because it was, it was one where you could just be a sponge and learn a lot of, uh, I learned a lot from that guy. I, I'm, I'm truly he ended up becoming a warrant officer, brilliant guy. And it was one of those things where I, I almost nearly didn't get that opportunity to learn, but thankfully he gave me a chance. And, you know, at the end of it, I got an award and it was, a, it was an amazing trip. That's really awesome. So how long did you serve total? So I served from 2006 to 2011, 12-ish, took a year off. And then I went from 2013 to about, almost 2015 okay so um and some of that was reserve time as well okay so not all that was full active duty and so uh when i went to work at the company for my friend's father i was a reservist at the time so i was going in on weekends and doing drills so when i got out i was still actually drilling uh, a drill is basically a a weekend where you go in uh for reserve duty Okay. That's really cool. So, I mean, obviously we, we both had our experiences in the military and, and, yeah. and in the civilian sector where we've come across like, you know, some pretty good leaders, like people that influenced us in, in some way, like you were mentioning with that staff sergeant that, you know, kind of brought you into the unit and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, what would you say like to our listeners and stuff, like how important is having, you know, a good mentor, uh, whether it's in, in your military career or in your civilian career? I think it's pivotal to find uh, if someone doesn't land in your way to find someone that's going to be able to push you along uh, and be honest with you and to teach you. Um, I think 
some of the best leaders I had. Uh, whereas when I transitioned from Maryland, I moved down to Florida and I worked for the Special Operations Command. And we were doing a lot of um, kind of storage, computing, containerization, automation. And we were doing a lot of, a lot of stuff, a lot of architectural design satellites we were working with the aircrafts with that the u.s special operation or the air force special operations command has and i knew not a whole lot at that time still i was still pretty new yeah and but my boss would bring me to these architectural design meetings and i knew nothing like i'm sitting there staring at the board like okay i, I know a little bit of this but he made me go to these meetings over and over again and I started to learn the overall picture of it. And so he taught me at a very young, young engineer, um, as a very young engineer, the bigger, broader picture. And so fast forward to now, many years later, it's, it's, like, a, it's like muscle memory, it's second nature. If I take two weeks off and I go to vacation, I come back, it's just muscle memory, it comes back. So I'm very fortunate to have great leaders. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I, I think, you know, you mentioned is having someone to, you know, kind of push you and teach you and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I, I, I experienced that too. And, you know, even in the private sector now, you know, in my mortgage business, um, you know, I'm part of a, a coaching program, right, where I have a mentor that's, you know, pushing me, guiding me, helping me, you know, so I can, I mean, they see they see things that we don't see, right? Because we kind of have tunnel vision into what we're doing day in and day out, but they have a different viewpoint, right? They have a different approach. So they can see the stuff that we don't, you know, coach us and, and, you know, hold us accountable too. I mean, you know, that's, that's a lot of it too, which is, you know, obviously a big thing we learn in the military. Yeah. And when I came out to California, my, I work for another intelligence agency out here and my uh, boss essentially I learned something extremely, extremely important to growth within your organization, your team is that he would always have the engineers below him check his work. And some people look at that as, well, they're below you. How are they going to be, how are they going to know what you're doing wrong? And his theory is that, you know, if we're competent and confident in the people that we're hiring, then we should be able to give them our work because they're going to see the things that we're missing because we're not looking out for certain things that they may be able to pick up on and to be able to give someone lower technically on the, you know, on the, the corporate level, confidently give that to them. It boosts their confidence and it gives them a different perspective that like, Hey, my boss trusts me to be able to look at his work to see if there's anything wrong and he's comfortable and be able to receive that feedback. Yeah, absolutely. It gives, it gives them some value, right? Some self-worth. Yeah. In the organization. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people, you know, civilian or, or military that, you know, are lower in rank, right? Whether it's your corporate rank or your military right. rank that, yeah. you know, may feel kind of insufficient or insignificant. Mm -hmm. But, I think, you know, when yeah. uh, someone in a, you know, higher up position gives you that opportunity, I mean, it's, it's great for um, your motivation and your own confidence and stuff in yourself, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was, I carried that over into the, the commercial sector when I left working with the Department of Defense. Uh, I brought that with me. And it was, it was sometimes a foreign idea to some of these organizations. But I think they began to see the value, begin to see the value in that and be able to involve people that you may 
don't want to say look down on, but it's like you're below me in, on the totem pole. Therefore, everything I do is going to be better. But in reality, that's not always the case. Yeah, absolutely true. Um, so you you got that that job with your your dad's uh, or your your friend's dad's company, right? Yeah. And uh, then you made your way out out west for work. Did you stick with that same company, or do you work with a different firm today? No, so I work with a different company. When I left and I moved to Florida, I was with a different Department of Defense contracting company. Uh, then when I came out to California, I worked for a different DOD contractor. Uh, and eventually I left and went to the commercial side. And the company I work for now is uh, one of the largest cloud computing companies in, in the world. Uh, in 2018, we were ranked number one most innovative company uh, in, by Forbes in the entire world. Wow. So what do you do for them? I mean, you came from like satellite communications. Now you're working yeah. in, in cloud computing. What's the, um, what's the bond between those? The bridge between it is, so when I came out here, uh, actually when I was working in Florida, we started actually doing semi-cloud computing, but in aircrafts and in our own local data centers. Wow. And so we were ahead of the curve by far. And when we, when I came out to California, is when I got more into the large scale data center optimization, high performance computing, the automation. Um, and that was where, you know, I really realized that I really truly do love this. Uh, and I'm looking back at it. When I worked in Florida, I realized like, wow, like I really, I really was so passionate about that. And bridging over to now, it's like you, I keep taking steps up. And so now it goes from uh, my previous position was, you know, okay, high performance computing and data centers, but now it's on another level of, okay, now you're working in multi-continent data centers, distributed computing, big data, automation. Uh, every day is a new day at work. And so my job as a senior site reliability engineer is to make sure everything is running, it's optimized, find things uh, and fix them before the customer's going to realize it. Uh, we have a software of a service, software as a service product. And so we want to make sure that the customers are happy because uh, we have any number of companies on the Fortune 500 list as our customer. And so we want to make sure that they're as happy as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, cloud computing has become almost like a buzzword now, right? You know, the yeah. cloud. And everyone talks about the cloud, which, mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but the cloud is essentially just another place where data is being stored, right? You guys are basically exactly. a warehouse for storage in a sense, right? Like Exactly. A right. digital warehouse. Yeah, exactly. So the data has got to reside somewhere. And we make uh, a product that is accessible and highly available. And we do that by having data centers in multiple continents all across the world. And in some cases, multiple data centers within the same continent. That's really interesting. I, I know I see a lot of it with, um, you know, the, the bigger name IT companies, you know, you always hear about them on the news and stuff, but it's a super, yeah. super huge industry for sure. It's grown like crazy. Yes. Yeah. So, so we're, and we're like, definitely one of those companies that you, you hear about on the news sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when you were transitioning from military life into your civilian life, I mean, it sounds, you know, like you had a job lined up and stuff like that. Was there, was there still some, some sense of uneasiness or, or walk me through that transition a little bit? 
So it was interesting when I went through the interview process, one of the first things they ask is why do you want to leave the DOD and come work for, you know, a commercial company? And I asked them, I said, do you guys have windows? And they're like, we have windows. <laughs> and I said, yeah, do you have windows in the office? And they're like, yeah. And I said, well, that's, that's all I need. And so they <laughs> laughed. And uh, I said, I said, trust me, it's, it's hard working in a secure environment, no windows for 10 hours a day. Um, and I said, you know, you, you don't understand how valuable a window is. Uh, and they laughed about it. And so uh, they thought it was funny. And, and that was, you know, that kind of broke the ice a lot with, you know, the questions to come along. When I was transitioning, I was a little worried. I was, um, you know, I didn't want to be put into a place where there's siloed roles where it's like, okay, if you're a database administrator, that's all you're going to do. You know, if, if the database is down, then, you know, they fix it and that's it. They don't do anything else. And so I was looking for something really more with like a shared responsibility. If, uh, you know, the automation breaks for our database or networking or uh, any kind of like, let's say load balancer that distributes loads, right? right? We want, I wanted to be on a team where everybody came together to be able to fix the problem and have a shared responsibility. Everyone had knowledge, maybe not deep, but spread across wide. And if we needed someone to go deeper, then we could go to someone who does have that deeper knowledge. And when I came to the company I work at now, uh, they definitely had that. And the manager I interviewed with, um, we got along great. The interview process went extremely well. The recruiting process went extremely well. Uh, the benefits were more than I could ever imagine. And I realized like, okay, this is, you know, I'm looking for quality of life. I'm looking for, um, you know, a company that's gonna take care of you. And throughout this whole pandemic process, they have gone above and beyond everything I could have ever imagined. Uh, and they're still hiring. And they're one of the few major companies through the pandemic that was hiring continuously. That's really cool. Um, it's really interesting, you know, I was just thinking like, I think I saw a, like an army recruiting commercial on TV recently. And, you know, they were, they were talking about in that ad, you know, some of the more high tech um, type positions and jobs in the army. And I know all the, all the branches have, you know, um, some great like IT type um, functions in them, right? As we become more and more a computer driven society and, you know, yeah. all the parts and things are computer driven. So there's obviously a need for that. Um, what would you say? I, I've talked to some guys, you know, who um, I had a friend who was in the Marine Corps and he really wanted to be in the infantry and he got put into kind of the IT world and, um, and it wasn't by choice, but he adapted to it and stuff and is, um, you know, making it through there. But what would you say um, to, to guys or gals in the military, in that, that IT space, um, maybe for, you know, some, some forward thinking or some encouragement to either whether they stay in, you know, and do 20 years or whether they transition out and go, you know, get a DOD job or even, you know, a, a commercial civilian gig. So my advice to them would be any kind of training that they can put you through, take advantage of it a hundred percent because they're going to pay for it and it's not going to come out of your pocket. Even if it's something as simple as learning how to splice fiber, 
you know, it may not be relative to your job, but there may be an opening. I would take advantage of it. It's time you can take away from your unit, uh, take a break, learn some new knowledge about things. Uh, and later down the road, that knowledge may come back because you may have to be in a position at a company, whether it's a DOD job or commercial job, where you have to negotiate certain rates with the telco company for fiber optics. And now you've gone through this fiber optic training that you didn't realize you know, five years ago is now actually relevant to your current position. So there's things that you don't realize because you may minimize it now, but later it's gonna benefit highly. Um, I took so many classes, so much training for radios, telephones, satellites that uh, I didn't think was gonna be relevant, but it became relevant. It was, it's tremendous how, you know, later down the road, you look back at it and you're like, wow, really, I'm so glad that younger me took advantage of those classes. So that along with certifications that are relevant to maybe uh, something you wanna do in the future, there's plenty of certifications for, um, like Six Sigma or Six Sigma, Six Sigma, um, Scrum, if you want to do any kind of operating system. There's also uh, software certifications you can take now. Uh, one very popular one is Python. Obviously, Java is a very popular language as well. Golang, which is developed by some engineers at Google. You can take certifications that kind of qualify you for those languages. And for example, Python. You may not look at it as it's necessary in my job currently, but later on you may realize, wow, this language actually helped me, could have helped me automate and optimize what I was doing before, which was a manual process. So instead of going to something physically and configuring it, you could have used this language to configure 10 of them at a press of a button. So it's, cool. it's certifications are, uh, extremely important. Um, personally, I didn't, I didn't go to college and never let anyone tell you that you can't be an engineer without a degree because that's not accurate. You can do whatever you want and don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it because you can't. And I'm living proof of that. That's cool. That's really good advice. Can you, if you're in service, can you pursue those certifications while you're active duty? Or is that something you got to do yeah. after? No, you can do everything during your service time frame. You don't have to wait until you, after active duty. If you want to take a class or a online course for certification, for example, there's cloud computing companies from Microsoft, with, which offers Azure, and Amazon offers AWS, Amazon Web Services. There's nothing preventing you from taking like an online computer-based training course and going and taking the certification. Uh, the military currently uses cloud services from both those organizations. And so if you have the upper hand of getting those certifications while you're in the military, they don't cost much. It's for an Amazon and a, and a Microsoft exam, it's maybe like $150. You uh -huh. go in, you take that exam, you leave the military, you have knowledge or an IT background, but you also have this either administrative or developer certification. You've just you know, going to the, the top of the stack on the recruiting pile. Wow, super helpful. I guess yeah. that, that leads me like to think of like, you know, like just military benefits, right? Like we have right. things like the, the GI Bill and the VA loan, you know, things like that. Um, and there's not a ton of education given to us while we're active on that. But I know, it's, that's one thing that would, would 
hopefully change in the future. Yeah, I would think so too. I mean, is is there, I mean, I know that you can get beyond like any certifications, you can probably get into some that cost some good money. You know, yeah. are there things that, you know, um, they can they can use the GI Bill to help them with um, throughout some of this stuff so they can just enhance their resume and, you know, maybe they get out, maybe they don't, but their resume is just super bolstered. Absolutely. The post 9-11 GI Bill will cover certifications for IT. So uh, whether it's a CompTIA certification, which is required for certain jobs within the Department of Defense, uh, from everything you could think of, the post 9-11 GI Bill will, will cover those certifications if you wanted to. That's super helpful, really helpful. Um, what do you guys see? I mean, you're, you're probably in an environment, you probably have like a lot of military and stuff, I would imagine like veterans in your company or at least in the DOD um, uh, companies that you work for, right? The current company I work for and the location that I'm at, we actually don't have very many. In particular on my team, I'm the only one out of about 30. Okay, wow. Is it a greater percentage in the, uh, the contractor space? Absolutely, yeah. The majority of them are prior service. Gotcha. And, and that goes from the uh, civilian contractors as well as the um, civilians, the GS paid government employees as well. See, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so in your experience and, and now you've been in the sector for a while and kind of tying in the theme with, you know, our podcast, what does, what does armed and ready mean to you and what you're doing today? I think be prepared. Uh, there's always that common saying is, um, you know, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And that's, you know, armed and ready for me is like, you know, you're alert and you're focused and you're ready for what's going to come at you because um, everyone's going to hope for the best, but you also have to be, pre be prepared that, you know, it may not be the best situation that you're going into. Yeah, no, you nailed it 100%. Uh, well, Matt, I think it's been really cool to learn a little bit about what you did. You know, not, not every Marine is out there, you know, shooting a rifle all day long or throwing grenades, right? There's so many different right. job functions in the military. Mm -hmm. And I think it's cool to touch on, you know, the satellite communication, the IT stuff. Um, I mean, our, our way of life, whether it be um, military or civilian, is all moving so far into that direction that, um, Military is a great foundation to get absolutely you know, set up for that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Man. Well, thank thank you so much for being on the Armor Ready podcast today. Um, if anybody has questions or would like to pick Matt's brain a little bit more, um, I'm sure he'd be happy to to give you some additional pieces of advice or knowledge. Um, you can contact me at valoneguy.us, and we can get you connected with Matt if you need to talk to him more. But Matt, thanks so much, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks so much for checking into the podcast today. Please like and subscribe below. If you would like more information about anything we covered today, please visit me at valoneguy.us. Thanks. We'll check you next time.